the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finman. Sit back, relax. We've got a really good show for you. In this half hour of the show, we'll be talking with Shira Finman, who is our culinary correspondent, speaking to us from New New York, who just attended the really happening Kosher Palooza. And that's a uh, kosher food show that just happened this last week in New Jersey. Second half hour of the half hour of the show, we'll be looking at the portion of Pinchas. Got some really cool Bible stories, but we're not going to talk about any of them. We've got music scattered throughout the show. Some really classical stuff, some really good stuff. Of course, a uh, an oldie but goodie as far as the Hasidic stories go, because they're all oldies and they're all goodies. Before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. <laughs> Hamas fired a rocket from Janine. The rocket landed on Palestinian land. No injuries or damages were reported. A 16-year-old Israeli Arab opened fire at a checkpoint near Jerusalem, wounding a security guard. Soldiers returned fire and killed the attacker. Cypriot intelligence arrested six members of the Iranian Royal Guard who were planning attacks on Israelis in Cyprus. Israel seized millions in do- millions of dollars in, in cryptocurrency from Iran and Hamas that was earmarked for terrorist attacks against Israel. A father in related news, a father and daughter in Amsterdam were arrested for sending millions of dollars to Hamas. 
In other news, Fiji will be the 98th country to open an embassy in Israel. It was reported by the Israeli uh, foreign ministry that their goal is 100. I didn't know they had a goal of trying to get 100 embassies to open up in Israel. But Fiji's number 8, 98, the embassy will open next year in Tel Aviv. 65 U.S. senators sent a letter to, to U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken urging that Israel be fast-tracked into the no-visa-necessary program. Currently, there are 40 countries from which people who do not need a visa to enter the U.S. 16 progressive Congress people sent Blinken a letter urging him to go slow. And finally, the U.S. Supreme Court unanimously ruled in favor of a Sabbath-observant postal worker that employers must accommodate employees' religious needs unless there is undue hardship. Yay. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have online the Jewish Hour's own culinary correspondent, all the way from New York, Shira Finman. How are you today, Shira? Hello. Good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you. Good to hear. When do you, let's test your memory. When was the last time you were on the Jewish Hour? <laughs> the last time must have been over a decade and a half. Maybe close to two. Yeah, it was, <laughs> been a while. It was it was getting there. I believe you were seven years old, and we used it as a tagline that said, "Marvelous Marvin's is fun." I don't remember that. It one. still is fun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, Shira, for those listening, is a trained chef, having uh, a graduate degree in uh, in culinary arts and currently employed at a Michelin-rated restaurant and uh, went on a trip for us because we couldn't get there this last week for various technical and sundry reasons to Kosher Palooza, which is like the latest kosher trade show that has opened up. And uh, so tell us, uh, tell us about this Kosher Palooza, Sheriff Inman. All right. Kosher Palooza was really, really grand. As far as kosher food goes, as far as, as, far as palooza's go, they really put on an amazing show. Where was um, it? It was in the Meadowlands Conference Center in New Jersey. So just over the bridge, under the tunnel, um, attracting people from tri-state area and beyond. So there were a lot of people there, thousands of people there, um, which really added to the atmosphere and the total hype 
of the entire event. So it was a really fun experience to be there. Okay. You're, you weren't an, an organizer. You were a participant. So what would you say would be the purpose of having such a thing? Why would, why would they organize such a thing? So this event was specifically geared towards kosher eating consumers. There have been other kosher events that were this style, not at this scale, that were more of a trade, more of a um, business aspect. This one was really to invite anyone who is a kosher eating person, whether they have a kosher kitchen at home or they're eating in kosher restaurants all over. They get to interact with the businesses. They get to see what's new on the market. Um, They really wanted to make it as personable and as user-friendly to anyone who's just interested in kosher food, Um, whether it's at home or they're catering or they're eating out, um, just to get like the full kosher food eating scope. Okay, so you're a professional food person. Did you approach your participation at Kosher Palooza as a kosher consumer private, a professional, someone interested in maybe going into catering? How did you, how did you, uh, what was your philosophy in attendance? My personal experience was, number one, have fun and interact as much as I can um, as a kosher eating person myself. And that was really fun. There were a lot of different things I hadn't seen before or a lot of nostalgic things that I grew up with that were really exciting to see. Um, So that was the one aspect. And then I also had to come, you know, that I am not necessarily with a critical eye, but with an interested eye of what's new on the market. What is, you know, what are things that are still, will never change the things that people want to see day in, day out. Um, the things that are nostalgic or the things that are working, the things that people want to be eating and they never want to leave their refrigerators. So what is, what's, what's making the impact in a kosher kitchen? And then as um, I would say more from coming in from the industry, um, specifically with the restaurants, getting to talk to restaurant owners, getting to talk to the people who they're hiring and see what it's like having a kosher restaurant in New York City and having one that's, you know, dealing with all the trials and tribulations of a restaurant and then, you know, the kosher meat market and, you know, where they're sourcing their meats from and if it's in the country or out of the country, um, staffing, the whole other aspect of, making something, you know, having a mashkiach, a kosher supervisor on the team and what that's like. So there was a lot of information gathering, a lot of networking, connection making. Um, So I would say that as someone who's coming in for personal experience and for career networking, it's a really good spot to hit um, all those areas. Okay, that's wonderful. Our guest today is the Jewish Hour's own culinary Representative went to Kosher Shira Finman went to Kosher Palooza this week, which is a uh, build as a trade show. More than she just said, more than a trade show. So, what new things and what what surprised you, Shira Finman? Ooh, there was so much there. So, the way that the uh, event was set up was there were many many booths and um, 
for kosher, um, as kosher dietary rules, uh, you know, adhere to, we had one side that was dairy vendors, and then there was the in-between, it's not dairy, it's not meat vendors, and then there were the meat vendors on the other side. So you kind of had to work the room um, accordingly as one who eats, keeps kosher does not eat uh, something that's dairy, something that's meat in the same meal. So we kind of had to like play the clock hour game making sure that, you know, we're adhering to those rules. So starting out with the dairy side, um, there were my favorite brands, Toscanini. I will give them a shout out. They are an Italian brand um, with some really awesome kosher products that are just true. They feel Italian and they're wonderful products. They had a gnocchi station. Um, so that was really fun. There was a sourdough pizza station that the lines were really, really long for. We had to, you know, be patient. Um, there were some really awesome, the one that really has a highlight is this one brand called Meant to Be. And they are a organic, grass-fed, cruelty-free dairy company um, coming out of Lancaster. So they have, um, it's like a small farm, and they're doing goat, sheep, cow, dairy products. They're making milks, yogurt, cream, ice cream, and then their cheeses were the highlight of my entire experience there. I love cheese, and they really were doing a special run that was just specifically kosher, specifically Chal of Yisrael, um, which is an extra level of kosher uh, certification. And they were doing that real just pop of explosive flavors of cheeses. This isn't your ordinary you know, sliced cheese coming from the supermarket. This is really, you can tell it was cared for. Um, and their, their products was, were something to really, I'm still thinking about them. Um, they are a group of Hasidic Jews, specifically Skver Jews, that made a relationship with the Amish community in Lancaster. And together, they have run this business together and they have a special line and it's specifically sold um, in very few so kosher supermarkets right now, but they do have a delivery service um, for anyone living in the tri-state area. More, I would say Brooklyn, um, but that to me was the highlight of the dairy side. Um, and then the meat side were a lot of there was a lot of beef jerky. There's a lot of beef jerky. <laughs> okay. That's, that's the fact. It was, Take it with you in your purse. Right. Yeah. So they did get me, though, because I ate a lot of beef jerky. There was bison jerky. There was salmon jerky from Alaska. Um, different flavors, the meat boards, the charcuterie boards. It's what's hitting the kosher scene right now. So it's, it's great. They can ship them you know, all over the country, and they're beautiful. So you're looking to, you know, add an element to your next event. Meatboards is where it's at right now. Sure, indeed. I mean, it was, it, talking about Detroit and charcuterie, so before COVID, 
and we're talking like days before COVID. So the theme of Jewish Ferndale for Purim was charcuterie boards, and that was 2020. And nobody knew what a charcuterie board in Detroit was. And now it's like they they sell charcuterie boards in Detroit. So uh, it's it's definitely coming of its own. So what, tell us, tell us then, Shira, as, you, as you've seen it in uh, your life, the development of of uh, kosher food coming of age, like being more sophisticated. What have you seen? Yeah, so the kosher scene will always will always try to you know get the trend, but it also really loves to stick to tradition, and that's something that I've noticed with restaurants with catering, with the food products, there are, there are definitely catching up with the trends, but there's always going to be that um, homey feel to kosher food. Um, so there was definitely both of that represented at the event. Um, there was a beef tartare with a crispy rice paper that, I haven't seen in the coastal world yet. I've seen outside and, you know, on Food Network and on, you know, the whole industry as a whole. So it was good to see that there are, you know, keeping up with some trends, but then it was also mentioned by some of the restauranteurs that not necessarily do they want to keep up with the trends. They want to just make really good food and they want to make food that people are really going to enjoy. So there's a bit of a conversation of, are we aiming to follow the trends? that come and go so quickly is the kosher industry equipped to follow up with those trends. Are they others? Are those trends kosher to keep up with? So it's a large conversation of how much do we want to follow with those trends and how much does the consumer want those trends? Um, So there is a bit of a back and forth with that conversation. Okay, that's excellent. Okay, so now in the uh, you you were posting okay. to our family group different things that you saw and things that were what was some of the more familiar things that you were thinking? Well, that's interesting that that's here. I mean, I've been eating that since I was a kid. Um, it was it was great to see all the different snack items that we grew up with: the Reisman's brownie bar. They had the blooms potato chips um they had meal mart had a big stand of all their um fish sticks and i was like "Ooh, i want a fish stick on a skewer what's that <laughs> dipping sauce so there was, was a lot of good nostalgia there definitely was the dipping sauce ketchup i mean it was a heightened ketchup i'll give them that there was something more than just ketchup <laughs> but yeah Okay, cool. And um, you, <laughs> I, I have to laugh because you uh, sent a picture of Psha. So if you could explain, this is one of those things that r- people have to scratch their head over when you say the word. It's even hard to say Psha, but if you could tell us about Psha and what your impressions were, because since I don't like it, your mom never made it and you never had it in our house. Okay, so what I've learned is that there are two different things. And I might be wrong on this, but to my understanding, Piksha is made with what we're talking about. Let's go back. What we're talking about is a 
is a meat-based jello, if you will. So there's a chicken's feet version, and then there's the cow's hooves version. And what it is essentially is it gets boiled down um, into a jello and gets refrigerated. So in the Hungarian communities, this is their bread and butter. This is, you can't get enough of it. This is something from Hungary and it's seeped into the communities and it's very important. It's something that I didn't grow up with. I don't have Hungarian ancestry, so it's unfamiliar to me. Um, but for this, this one stand was very populated. Let me tell you, there were a lot of people just closing their eyes as they had a bite of this. And so I went over and I said, oh, this is Pacha. I'm, I have it. I'm, I'm a little terrified. I don't know what to expect. And they were very kind and held my hand and walked me through. And um, they explained to me that what they have is called Gala, which is the cow hoops version. And it's honestly on a cracker, you know, take the word jello out of it because automatically our mind goes to sweet, you know, molds and stuff like that. This is, you put it in your mouth and it's a burst, it's a punch of the most concentrated meat flavor with all other seasonings on a cracker. So you get a little bit of a crunch to, you know, carry the flavor over. And I was converted, I have to say. Am I going to run to make it? And do I need to have it every week? I'm okay, but I've been converted. It was a pleasant experience, and I get it. Okay, got it. In uh, English, pshaw would be called aspic. You've probably never heard that word either, but the English are... I'm not familiar with aspic. I want no. to... Uh, to make aspic, but English food is kind of weird anyway, but not to say anything bad about the English, but they have some weird food. Anyway, so our guest today again is Shira Finman. She is a culinary correspondent for the Jewish Hour. We're talking about kosher palooza. So what, what do you think was the overall effect? The organizers, they wanted to achieve a certain goal in their, uh, in their staging this, other than making money, which I'm sure that was part of it also. But what do you think was uh, achieved by, by so Elizabeth. besides for the vendors and the booths and the connections that were being made um, and the overall good time, they also had allotted different um, panels, discussions. Um, they had different um, contests. So they made it very like, um, it was an overall holistic experience. It wasn't just going from booth to booth, trying foods and liking it and moving on. There were discussions with rabbis, discussing different aspects of um, kosher. There were a restaurant panel that I specifically really enjoyed, um, talking about the trials and tribulations, the ups and downs of owning a restaurant, a kosher restaurant, having kosher um, guests and you know, they were saying, please tell us if you didn't like the dish. Tell us when while you're eating it so we can make it better next time. Don't write us a bad review on Yelp. You know, that doesn't help anybody. So there was a lot of that interaction between, you know, the people making the food and the business aspect, making those connections with the people eating the food, the guests who are enjoying the food. Um, they had a lot of really fun activities to do 
where you can, you know, there was a blind taste testing, and if you got them all right, you get a prize, which I did. Um, what, they had what, what, hey, a hot sauce what, challenge. What kind of prize? You know, did you, what, what kind of prize did you get? The prize was a mini um, ice pack for my lunchbox. Yay! Okay. Thank you. And you guessed all the yeah. Things. So there was a lot of that, like um, demonstrations. There was a challah baking demonstration. There was a mystery. Um, ingredient, kind of like that show on Food Network called Chops, where you had mystery ingredients and they had to come up with a meal um, with, you know, big chefs within the kosher industry. Um, so that was fun to watch. Um, so they had different things like that where it was just an overall fun time so people can understand what goes into the kosher industry, what can I get from the kosher industry, what can I give the kosher industry. And, and, and what was your biggest takeaway? My biggest takeaway is the kosher food in the eating industry is vast and it's ever evolving while keeping its roots of where it's originating from, whichever, whichever country that's coming from. Kosher eating, Jewish eating is not one thing. It's all over the world that gets picked up from every cuisine and gets adapted to where it's currently being made now. So the, the, the amount of people in, this, in the room varied so great, right? There were people from deep Hasidic communities of Brooklyn, and then there were people from all across New Jersey of various Orthodox levels people who were driving in from all over the country, people coming in from Canada, and everyone was there for one solid purpose of experiencing kosher food and enjoying kosher food. Um, and it was beautiful to see that many Jewish people together in one room, coming together under food, um, and just enjoying each other's company and enjoying each other's laughter and opinion on flavor and just overall, you know, enjoyment. So it was a really awesome special event. Um, and I spoke, I, while, while I was leaving, they had a lot of, you know, security and, you know, people on board to make sure everything was run really smoothly, which it was, thank God. And I was speaking to an EMT and I said, you know, any problems, anything get to worry about? He said, this has been, you know, really easy day. Everyone has just been so kind and just can tell everyone has so kind so people were having a really good time and it was just it was bursting out the doors you know into the great outdoors that just people were there to have fun and just enjoy themselves um so and it was i was really impressed with the variety of the vendors and yeah it was overall just a great experience Great. So you you went to the first kosher palooza, which was this last week. Would you, if given the opportunity, go again? Oh, one hundred percent. I took off work for this. I'll take off work again. Okay, that's great. Okay, our guest has been Shira Finman, the Jewish Hour Culinary Correspondent, who we've been talking about kosher palooza, which is a Jewish food fair and held in New Jersey this last week. I want to thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we wish you continued success. Thank you so much. 
Take care. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's a symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Hey, Shul Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. I'm just going to run out and get some kosher food. Yes, up next for your listening pleasure. Let's do some music. Get up, and this is going to get you up and dancing. This is called Simply Dance Medley. And the artist is Yoni Eliav. We all know there's an opiate epidemic. 
But Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. It's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Hey, Schulferman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. This is now the time when we play the Klezmer section. This is a group coming out of Israel. It's called Klezmer Perat, which Perat in Hebrew, I believe, is a pirate. But the song is simply called Klezmer, Klezmer, Klezmer.
was Klezmer Perot. Up next, the song is Stand For You, and this is Ellie Schwebel. It's a really sweet song. can see it in your eyes There was something you were hiding You were holding deep inside You were fighting on your own All the nights you went to bed Under covers you were crying With his words inside your head He stole your innocence So when you feel like home is lost And you don't know where to go Or who to call I will stand for you We can face the world together If we raise our voice And make the choice To learn to live again I will stand
Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. The week's portion is the portion of Pinchas. And interesting enough, at the end of the week, we will be in the three weeks, which we'll talk about that next week because it's enough to talk about next week. But in the meantime, we get to enjoy ourselves. Uh, Pinchas has a whole really good Bible story at the beginning of the portion, how Pinchas became a Kohen, and there's a recounting of the Jewish people again for the purpose of getting uh, land, and there's a story of the daughters of Slavcha who wanted a piece of the action and all that. When we get all done with that, the last three parts of the portion, which would be five, six, and seven for those following at home, deal with sacrifices, specifically the Musaf sacrifices or the community sacrifices. Up till now, we've been dealing with personal sacrifices and uh, or generally how sacrifices were done. This is just the order of how the daily, weekly, and seasonal sacrifices were offered. And we're not going to go into why is this here, why is this not in the book of Leviticus, because that's really pretty easy, because the portion of Pinchas talks about Pinchas becoming a Kohen, and he eventually became the high priest after his father passed away, after his grandfather passed away. Instead, we're going to talk about the daily sacrifice. Every single day, there was a lamb, which was offered in the morning, and a lamb which was offered in the evening. And regardless of what else happened that day, I mean, I can imagine there's no, there was never a log kept of what sacrifices, how many sacrifices, who brought sacrifices. They didn't, they didn't bother with that because who cares? But I could imagine that, say, in the middle of February, on a really cold, wintry day in Jerusalem. It, it does snow in Jerusalem, and this is an open-air market area. There probably were not a whole lot of people. There was a sacrifice offered in the morning, and there was a sacrifice offered in the evening, and it was offered on behalf of the entire Jewish people. And in fact... There was a collection made yearly. Each person's donation made up a part of the daily sacrifice. It's not like I bought today's sacrifice, you buy tomorrow's sacrifice. No, no, no. I had a certain percentage, of, depending on how much money I gave or how much, what, what my donation was as a percentage of the entire amount collected. That was the percentage that I had on this sacrifice and on these two sacrifices. 
This sacrifice was called the Tamid. The word Tamid means constantly or consistently, continual, that type of a D. It was, the, the, the consistency was what was the important thing. The 17th of Tammuz, which I believe is uh, Thursday, one of the things that it commemorates, it's a dark day on the, it's not black, but it's one of the, it's the dark day, a dark day on the Jewish calendar. One of the things that it commemorates is the last day of the offering of this tummy, this continual sacrifice. Titus was sieging Rome for three years and he could not break the walls of Jerusalem. And they had a deal going on in Jerusalem that every day the Jews would load down, download a basket of gold and the Romans would upload two lamps because you needed, that's what they needed for two lamps. A second, you know. And the Romans thought, we're, <laughs> we're scamming these Jews. Stew two, two stupid lambs and we get a basket of gold? Until there was a Jew who actually was on the side of the Romans. He was apostate. He gave, you know, decided he was going to rat out on his fellow countrymen. And he said, you know, you guys are stupid. As long as the Jews are offering up those two sacrifices, you will never be able to conquer Jerusalem. So the very next day, they load, the Jews loaded down the basket of gold, and the Romans put a pig in it. Of all the things to put in, specifically on a kosher animal, they put a pig in it. And that day, the Roman, there was no sacrifices offered. That day, the Romans were able to, uh, to, break, into, to break through to Jerusalem, and three weeks later, the temple was destroyed. What's the key word over here? The key word here is consistency. It doesn't matter how much. They weren't looking to fill the temple every day. They didn't need thousands of sacrifices. They just needed consistency. When the Jews were in the desert, they were traveling. If they traveled one day, they erected the, we talked about this, they erected the, the tabernacle, they offered up the sacrifices. They had to go the next day, the next morning, they would offer up the sacrifice, and they would break down the tabernacle, they would travel, they would get to a certain point, they would set the tabernacle up, and they would offer up the last sacrifice. Consistency, follow through. Make it every single day. This is one of the things that the Lubavitcher Rebbe really emphasized. Like, for example, with the campaign for giving charity. The, the Rebbe spoke many, many times that on your desk in your office or on the wall in your kitchen, you should have a charity box. And every day, put money into the charity box. It doesn't have to be hundreds of thousands of dollars. It could be a quarter to put. But, but the key thing over here has to be every day. And when somebody comes into your, your house, into your office, into your kitchen, etc., point to it and say, it's a charity box. At least you can contribute because charity is a big mitzvah. That's really what the bottom line is in Judaism. Is I'm going to make it that today counts. Speaking of today counting, 
If you want to get in touch with me, go to my website, rabbifinman.com, and there you can contact me. I've right on the con- right on the home page a contact link. We have archived editions of the show. We have other media in which we present Judaism in an entertaining and educational manner. There is also the very important donations page. Now, I've made a pledge that if a month goes by where there is the uh, the month is already paid for, and, and I won't make a pledge. And so it came out this last week, the last week of June, we received a very nice donation, which paid for the month of July. So we're not going to make a pledge, but if you want to check out RabbiFinman.com, do whatever you like over there. I'm going right to the story, which happened in the year 19. 19- 11 it's that's the, i'm thinking that the when i read the story that that sounds a little too early i think it's actually 1921 is when this story happened but i could corroborate it i didn't look at other websites but so there was a a young girl who was 14 years old her name was rachel she lived in a shtetl a little village in poland and her family was not making it, which was very common. There were a lot of people. America was the golden of Medina. People were going there to make money. And a lot of people would go to America and they would send back funds to Poland. So there was a large family. I think she had nine brothers and sisters. And uh, and she was one of the younger ones. She was 14. And it was decided that it would probably make the most sense if she went to America. She had some cousins that lived on the Lower East Side that she could live with them. Arrangements were made. They got got her a passport. You didn't need visas back then. We're talking about Israelis coming to America without visas. 1921, you didn't need a visa. You just showed up. And if you didn't have tuberculosis, they let you in. That was the immigration policy because they needed workers. So she got on a boat and she made it on the boat. Her father's last words for her were, Rachel, remember who you are, that you are a Jew. And if you keep the Shabbos, the Shabbos will keep you. So she arrives at the Lower East Side. She lies at Ellis Island. She finally gets through. She gets finds her. The, somehow they connect with the cousins, and they're living in a tenement. And if you're in New York City, one of the, the more fascinating museums is the Tenement Museum on the Lower East Side. It's, it was, I took my kids there when they were younger, and uh, they appreciated it. It was tremendous. I, very well done. And she was lurking anywhere. She got a job. She got her job in the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory as a sewer. Made like a dollar a day or something like that for uh, 11 hours of work. And it was a sweatshop, and conditions were terrible. And there were 160 young ladies who were employed there, and they worked. They weren't allowed the, uh, to take breaks. It was like they had to go. It was like a big thing if they had to go to the bathroom. It was really lunch was like, you know, you got two minutes to eat lunch at your, at your machine. It was really, you know. And it got to the point where the, the, the uh, bosses were fed up with these women going outside to smoke, so they locked the fire escapes. So they couldn't get out. Came her first week, and it was uh, Saturday, Shabbos. And so she didn't go to work. 
So the manager came over on Sunday and said, what happened yesterday? She said, I had a toothache. I couldn't work. It's okay, fine. Comes the next week. Comes Shabbos. She didn't work. Sunday morning, boss came over and said, what happened yesterday? She said, I had a stomach ache. With that, the boss said to her, listen, you cut out this Shabbos nonsense. If you don't show up next Saturday, don't bother showing up on Sunday. So she went home. She told her uh, cousins. Her cousins said, listen, you got to work. You have to give up the Shabbos. You cannot keep the Shabbos anymore. This is America. It's different. People work, and you have to work. It's a mitzvah for you to work, and you can't keep the Shabbos. Her father's words ringing in her ear. Came Saturday morning. They told her, you got to go. So she's, she got dressed, ready for work, and she walked. She's walking to work. And she sat down in, in a, on a park bench. And at different stories, it was either it was Washington Square Park or Thompson's Park, one of the parks down in the Lower East Side. Thompson Park is on the Lower East Side. The uh, Washington Square Washington Square is in Greenwich Village, which was probably closer to the Triangle, Way, Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. And she was in a quandary. She didn't know what to do. She sat there crying. Should I go to work? Should I not go to work? Should I go to work? Should I not go to work? And finally, it's just like she's sitting there contemplating. She realized it was time to go home. So she went home. She's walking down the street, and her cousin came to her and said, it's time she had to adopt an English name. She's not not Rachel anymore. She was Rose. She says, Rose, what are you doing? She says, what are you talking about? I didn't go to to work, and I'm going to get fired. Now everybody's going to hate me. And she, he said, you stupid woman, you kept your Shabbos and your Shabbos kept you. There was a fire. And uh, the girls couldn't get out because the fire escapes were locked. And 147 people died. 40 people were able to get out. And you're counted as one of the 40 because you didn't go to work that day. The bottom line, you keep the Shabbos, the Shabbos will keep you. That's going to do it for today. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. Hope to see you back again next week. Easy Fast on Thursday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.